Okay, I I am now sincerely recording on this computer. I got Rob. I got Rob. I got his guns in the background. All right, we're gonna go in three, two, one, clap. Hey guys, Lou Perez here with the Lou Perez Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want to support the Lou Perez Podcast, head over to theloupereslocals.com and join the Lou Perez community on Locals. I'm joined by a very special guest. You may know him as Rob from McDojo Life. Uh, Rob, thank you so much uh, for joining me. For those of you, uh, for, for those out there who might not uh, know you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about McDojo Life? Yeah, man. Well, so I run a martial arts related brand called McDojo Life, and we call out fakes, frauds, phonies, and pedophiles in the martial arts industry. Um, that's uh, like that's the elevator pitch. Um, but when it comes to the the actual mission statement, is to keep martial arts legitimate. There's a lot of con men. There's a lot of frauds. There is no regulating body to the martial arts industry whatsoever, which is strange to me. Um, but there is no regulating body to all martial arts. It just doesn't exist. So um, the goal is to just kind of get everybody on the same page about the dangers of some things and to get over some of the things that people complain about that they shouldn't be complaining about. You know, people complain, call things McDojos because a school's successfully making money. It's not a McDojo. <laughs> you're just hating because you're broke, son. Like, <laughs> that's called being successful. You might want to take a note from there. You know, just because you're making money doesn't mean that you're teaching garbage. Um, you know, and so there's a lot of stuff like that or how long it takes to get a belt. Right. If people complained about how long it took to get a belt, why does no one complain about BJ Penn's how long it took him to get a belt? You know, like the, the truth is, is that there's a lot of like ego and backbiting and um, I guess you could say sabotage in the martial arts community. And it doesn't need to be that way. Mm-hmm. You know, there are much bigger problems in our community that if we all got together, we can eliminate these bigger issues and actually grow our community. Yeah. And, um, can you talk a little bit about your background in martial arts and how you, you know, sort of, um, you know, found your way uh, to where you are now and what you're doing? Yeah, of course, man. Um, so I have been in the martial arts. I'm going to say this just a little quick because it's like a, it's a list. Um, I'm a, I've been in the martial arts for 23 years of my life. I'm a third degree black belt in karate, a third degree black belt and a weapon system called Lisa Jodo, which is a weapon system not too many people have heard of. If you'd like to look up my instructor on YouTube, his name is Master Lee Barton. He passed away a couple of years ago. Rest in peace. He was a big mentor in my life. I'm a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm a 6-0 amateur boxer, a 4-2 amateur kickboxer. I was on an international kickboxing team for two years called Team Full Circle, where we traveled internationally in kickbox. Ran a martial arts school for four years of my life and doing martial arts business consulting for 10 years of my life and running McDojo Life now for a roughly about nine years. See, you're the reason why I never call out people online to be like, yo, man, I, yo, let's meet up and I will fuck you up, bro. Because there are dudes with resumes like yours and it's like, oh shit, no, hold on. There are people out there that know how to fight. Um, so I'd rather be the dude where it's like, you know what? I'm going to be a gentleman online. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a, uh, you know, try to be an alpha and, and all that. Cause I, I feel like, I feel like so many people, you know, you have like the keyboard warriors and all that where it's sort of like, have you ever been in a fight, dude? Like you're talking like you're, I don't know, a champion or something. I get threats all the time, man. Like, it's funny um, how many, the more followers you get, the more people who are trying to take out their frustration mm. on their lives on you. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh man, my life sucks. What do I do? I go to the internet and I spread hate. And that becomes a mantra for them. So they start talking shit online and then they became that person in real life eventually, which it sucks because that's what we need less of. We need a little more empathy in the planet, I think. But when it comes down to, like fist fights and stuff like that, dude. I, dude, if people want to fight me, they can just take a number. 
Like they can wait in the back of the line. There's so many people that want to fight me or hurt me or kill me. It's ridiculous. Um, but you know what? That's that doesn't like and, and I'm not saying that it's not an answer. Violence solves a lot of shit. But at the end of the day, it's just not what I want to spend my entire life doing is fighting off people from the Internet. That right. will never end. I'm yeah. not fucking Afro Samurai. I don't have the number one headband. I like doing what I do. I'm mediocre. I'm not the best in the world. I enjoy it. That's it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the um, dose of reality that McDojo Life brings every single every single day. Anytime I, I you know open up Instagram and, and check you guys out, and in my own experience, um, uh, training in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I think it's it's a very necessary dose of reality, in particular for guys, um, because uh, you know. I think I think before somebody actually, you know, rolls with someone who actually knows what they're doing, you have mm-hmm. all of these, you know, sort of fantasies in your head of like, oh, I'll just do this or I'll just do that. And, you know, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've walked into a gym and seen a dude that you would never think this guy could, you know, could could do anything, right? And yet mm-hmm. he's he's a fucking assassin. And yeah. it's sort of, that's how and, I feel about when I first time I saw Marcelo Garcia. Oh I was yeah, like, who's this little guy? He's yeah. so cute. Oh my god, get him yeah. off! Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like him. it's like the the worst teddy bear you can buy. You know, it's just like oh, he's just so cuddly. I'm just gonna grab <laughs> him and throw him around and and all that. But it, you know, it it definitely made me uh you know a lot more uh a lot more cautious too, like in the streets because it's like you really don't know what people know. Um, or, or or don't know or what they have on them, you know, when it comes to, you know, self-defense. And I think, um, you know, I think, I think uh, definitely when it comes to playing, uh, uh, you know, playing against the trolls online, it's like, yeah, you're not going to be taking those numbers to, to fight, but also like, I, I bet in your day-to-day life, it's like, it's like, if you see trouble, it's like, ah, eh, I don't need trouble today. I could probably just walk away. It's like from a mechanic, this. dude. Mechanics have shitty cars usually because they get, <laughs> you know, they're in the shop all the time. You know, they're working on cars all day. Then when they get home, they don't want to fuck around with the car. You right. know, like I, I had that realization when I was like in what, uh, like a year one after training, you know, like I was in middle school. I was like 13 at that time, a year into my training. And like, you know, fist fights in school, you'll see kids run, fight, fight. And everybody's so excited to see a fight. I'm like, dude, that's Saw plenty of fights yesterday. These guys suck. Moving on with life. Don't care. You know. Yeah, yeah. That that's always the wild thing where where you see like two dudes square up who have never thrown a punch before, and you're like, what? Yeah. Like, like why? My whole thing is I would never want to fight anyone who knows how to fight. Like if you don't know how to fight, oh great, okay, cool. At least I feel a lot a lot better about that. A you know a double leg and mount you. You know. Um, but yeah, I, I can't imagine like actively. You know, not even be not even be able to throw a jab and being like, yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm going to square up with this dude in the street. You know, I've, I've always considered myself a violent pacifist, you know, <laughs> like most of the most of the time I just don't want to be bothered with shit like that. And, then, you know, somebody's mad at me. I'll try to, you know, why are you mad? Let's let's talk about it. I'll buy you a drink. I'm that kind of dude. But like, I also know that there's another side there where if I did fight this person, I'm not fighting you. I'm going to stab you. Like I, I know where this is going to go. I'm, I, I, I just, I, I don't want to be on the other end of receiving end of that because I think that I try to be nice. And I know there are plenty of people out there with no training at all who are way worse than that. And they can't wait to hurt another human being. Mm. And they're not going to be nice about it. They're not going to wait till you're looking or they're not going to be polite about it. They're not going to have the, the honor behind swearing up with you. They might just crack in the back of the head with something hard and then start beating you up. So, yeah. I mean, I try to be as nice to as many people as I can because you never know. So that might not be the conversation you have now, 
it might be that conversation that leads to them remembering that, seeing you again, getting drunk and mad and wanting to take it out on you when you're not even looking. And so I try to, you know, let's, let's be cool. You be cool. I'll be cool. We're all cool. Let's just enjoy life. Yeah. Life is good. (laughs) A lot of people are going to be listening, listening to this. So so they won't have the, uh, the image in front of, in front of them, but behind you, it looks like you have uh, a few rifles uh, on the wall. Maybe Maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about that and maybe how that, uh, if there's, if how that relates to you, uh, to martial arts. So. Oh man, uh, shooting is a martial art. I don't give a damn what people say. See, like, so there's a, there are what's called five ranges of combat, right? It's just like one of those things. It's just a math problem that you need to solve. And whoever is able to maintain the range of combat that they're most effective in wins the fight. So like, if you look at, for example, if you look at a guy like Michael Venom Page, he's able to win his fights not because of jiu-jitsu, he's able to win his fights because he's able to maintain the distance that he's most comfortable in, the range of combat. And so where, where other people might not be as proficient in handling that range, he's an expert in it, which is the equivalent of jiu-jitsu, right? So the five ranges of combat are very simple. The first one most people leave out of the story, which is a shame because that's how every war is ever fought, which is projectile range, right? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to throw or drop bombs or shoot. We're not going to get close to to each other. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to start throwing at things at each other, Maybe, whether they be bullets or bombs, right? Spears, arrows, doesn't matter. Then when we, so being proficient in that range of combat is kind of important because if you're 30 feet away and have a gun and I have a gun and I'm a fucking moron and I go, oh yeah, I'm going to come in there and beat your ass and I take three to the chest. Guess what? He's a much more effective martial artist at that time because he was able to maintain the range of combat and be effective there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still combat. Uh, then we move closer. You have like kicking range, right? So I can kick you, you can kick me, but punching each other is a little more difficult. Uh, those would be like lead leg side kicks and uh, lead leg round kicks, like longer range tools. Um, then you get a little closer. You have boxing range, right? I can punch you, you can punch me. Our punches are way more effective. Uh, high kicks aren't nearly as effective. You know, you're going to get a little closer. Kicking is just less effective. Punching is more effective. Then when you get a little closer, you have what's called uh, trapping range, uh, which is also where things like the clench take place. Um, overhooks, underhooks, um, takedowns, throws, uh, you know, all that stuff takes place in that range. And then finally you have grappling range, which is on the floor. We're, we're both rolling around on the ground, trying to figure out for who is going to get the dominant position. And so, but it all starts with those. It all mm-hmm. does, no matter what, I mean, you can pick up a rock, but you pick up your rock, I'm gonna pick up my gun. <laughs> so who has a better projectile? Yeah. And I, th- I, I, I've had conversations, um, before where, I think anytime you you know you're talking about about guns with people, um, the emphasis is always on the tool, the the gun itself, rather than mm-hmm. the purpose, which is defense. You know, mm-hmm. self defense. And I sort of, I I feel like once you admit that self defense is necessary, that you need to learn how to defend yourself, you're opening yourself up to well, 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 what is the the tool you can count on the most in order to be able to to defend yourself? And I think. It was uh, uh, Jocko uh, Willick who talked about. He's often asked, you know, he's a you know Navy SEAL, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, and he's often asked, you know, what's the, you know, what should I do, you know, as far as you know self defense, you know, should I learn Jiu Jitsu and all that, and, um, you know, he says, well, you know, if we're being honest, um, handgun, you should probably have a have a handgun, especially if you're if you're a smaller person, um, and because you know you can be, uh, you know, you could be. Uh, a you know say a, a purple belt in, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, but there's still the possibility that you know you can get uh, you know you can get blindsided or something like that, or you know somebody knows more than you or something like or, or something like that. I mean, I well, think it's just ranted for a little bit. Sorry. 
Uh, my concern mostly with firearms and learning and being effective with a firearm is a couple realities, right? There's a few things that are just facts that we just need to understand that they just are. One, guns have been invented. Yes. You will never uninvent them. They will always be there and they will always be around. Even if you take every gun and you melt it, there will still be somebody who has the ability to recreate and reproduce that on their own. And sometimes, I mean, shit, people, what, they're even re 3D printing guns now and crazy shit mm -hmm. like that, right? But you don't need anything special. You need a pipe, you need a bullet, you need something to hit the primer, and you're good to go, right? It's not that hard. Um, go on any YouTube tutorial about how to make one, and they're all over the place. But after teaching for so long, right? I mean, fuck, I taught two decades. I mean, McDojo life as a full-time job has only been for three years for me, and every other thing that I've ever done for money has been to be a martial arts instructor, to be an assistant instructor, to be in the, the area of martial arts. And what I noticed was not so much the uh, people who were able-bodied, but I noticed how many people were not able-bodied who were going to martial arts classes to learn how to defend themselves. And they had a very rough truth to deal with, which mm -hmm. is no matter how much martial arts you do, you're still fucked. Like we had a dude, which is an amazing story. I love telling this story. I'm so proud of this dude. He had cerebral palsy. And so he had to use hand canes when he would go anywhere. And so he'd use the hand canes and walk from point A to point B. And when he'd line up for jujitsu class, I remember his first day, like it was yesterday, he, he didn't have the hand canes on the mat because they would puncture the mat or damage the mat. So he would he'd walk like maybe two or three steps before he would fall. He just couldn't help it. And then when he'd bow into class, he tried to stand in line and I could see his leg shake before he fell. So his first day I walked over, I go, hey, man, you, you don't have to worry about standing up when we bow in it. I was like, you know, you can just bow in from here because I understand that that's going to be difficult, especially on a mat, which is like a squishy sure. surface. Mm -hmm. um, and he was like, no, I'm OK. And every day for it was like two years, man, every day he can cane his way into the school. He'd take uh, three, four classes a week. He'd walk onto that mat. He'd bow onto the mat, like take two second bow because he couldn't stand very long. Walk out to the mat and fall. And I asked him one day, I was like man, it's got to be tough. Like, it's got to be tough on your knees. I go, don't, wouldn't you feel much more comfortable if you just started there? And he goes, that's, I'm not here to learn self-defense. He goes, I'm here to use this as a tool to be able to learn how to walk. Wow. He goes, if I can do some of these more complicated movements, maybe I can start waking up some of these muscle groups that have been atrophied that I've never used or don't use because of my disability. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I go, well, what's your goal then? He goes, well, my ultimate goal is to be able to walk fully, but I know that'll never happen. So he goes, my only goal right now with martial arts is I want to be able to walk up, receive my blue belt, bow, shake everyone's hand and walk back and stand in line until that class is over. And I was like, that's a, that's a, not a goal that most people think about when they think about martial arts, because we're so self-centered as human beings. We only think self-defense, self-defense, self-defense. That's what I'm here for is I want to learn how to be badass and I want to how to fight. That is a drop in the bucket to some of the shit you can learn if you just open up your eyes to the shit. And so he winds up getting his blue belt, and I'll be damned, he did it. I mean, I I cried. I don't. Yeah. I mean, that was a moment. I I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like that was a moment that touched me as I saw somebody who started off for so unique a reason. But the the reason I brought that up was this is a man who will never defend himself. Like it's unfortunate, but his ability to defend himself is better now. He has some some ideas, and I'm sure he'll be able to do better than he could. But let's say one percent odds of him defending himself against an able-bodied person just became two percent odds. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't increase things drastically. So I always suggest, like, you need to keep these firearm things in mind because 
just because you don't like them as a person or someone might not like them as a person doesn't mean that they don't exist. So you can't just ignore the fact that they exist. It doesn't mean that other people don't have them. And another thing is, um, sorry, I had it and then it just went away. <laughs> uh, but um, sorry, it was actually a really important point. Oh, everyone who is against guns is against guns until they need one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, everybody's like, oh, no guns, no guns, no guns. And then all of a sudden they call a police officer who has a gun. No guns, no guns, no guns. All of a sudden they're like, oh my God, this guy has a gun. And then they grab a weapon. Well, mm-hmm. if you're so anti-violence, right, then don't grab the weapon. Let them shoot you and just stick to your guns. Be that guy. I'm so anti-gun. Fuck I, it, take me out. I'm so right? anti-gun. I'm going to stick to my guns. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, well, I think I, I think you... I think you hit on something that that's really important um, in that in that example of that of that person where, you know, it's it's reality. You know what you know, what can you be expected to, to be capable of doing in a in a real life situation? And what what is a lot of the videos on McDojo life are often are often comedic uh, in a in a in a way, but also incredibly disconcerting because you see these instructors teaching people things that will never work in real life and you're and it's like a, it's not just like a couple of people like there are rooms full of people that are that are paying money to learn this stuff that will never work and i'm just thinking about you know these these people who've been you know sort of tricked being put in a situation where they think oh hold on i got this let me uh you know let me let me hit the um uh, the nerve that that you know leads to the pancreas, uh, you know, from this guy's asshole or something <laughs> oh, like that. All bladder thirteen, <laughs> yeah, or whatever the you know whatever the fuck uh, whatever the fuck that is. Um, you know, what, what are some of the some of the most like you know horrific examples that that you've come across? You know, through McDojo life. Um, there are cults which are a little troublesome to me. Like the Bujin Khan to me is a cult, um, mostly yeah, was, because of how. Yeah, can you explain what it what is that about? Uh, so the Bhutan Khan is like uh, Buddha Taijutsu. Um, it's uh, what most people would probably just consider ninjutsu, like a layman's term. It would just probably just call it ninjas, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's run by a gentleman named Hatsumi. What everybody calls him, Hatsumi Sensei. And uh, Hatsumi, I don't know if he ever was legitimate, to be honest. But as far back as I can see in any of this stuff, some of the things that they teach is just utter nonsense. Like for instance. Uh, the fifth degree black belt test and the Bujin Khan is something called the Saki test, right? And you're supposed to sit down on your knees or uh, crisscross, and you're looking away at basically an audience of your peers uh, because it's a test. So it's, it's made like a ceremony. And then your instructor, which for the longest time, the only person who would actually initiate this test was Hatsumi, the head guy. Uh, but now since then, he's he's given permission for other people to do this test. We'll take like a shinai, which is like a uh, bamboo stick um, shaped like a sword, or he'll take like a uh, some type of a stick. And what happens is he's standing behind you, and he's going to try to come down on top of your head when you're looking away from him, when you can't see him, and crack you on the head with the stick. Your goal is to sense when this is going to happen and move out of the way, right? The, the problem is, is that I've seen so many of these tests because a lot of them, you know, because it's a big deal to people are, are put out there. The people that he wants to fail, he just does what most of us would do. He just cracks them on the head with a stick because there's no goddamn way you're going to be able to react that way in a real scenario 
without knowing someone's going to hit you in the head, you're just going to get hit with a stick. But the people that he doesn't want to fail, he'll make these bigger movements or he'll like move the floor a little bit more or he'll take his time or he'll stop just a little bit shy because again, you're sitting down facing an audience and right. you can see what they see. You can see what they're looking at. So all of a sudden, if somebody's eyes change, I just move out of the way. That's mm-hmm. not a sense of like a sixth sense. That's just you feeling the floor. <laughs> That's just you looking around and observing. That's you listening to his pants. That's you listening to the, his feet on the floor and a dead silent room and moving out of the way. To mm-hmm. me, that being portrayed as some type of mysticism is utterly ridiculous. And it's dangerous because then you, you get this like, this, oh, I have this magic power that everybody, like, that's the thing, right? Everybody yeah. has it. All you have to do is tap into it. Okay, well, you know what? Everybody can turn invisible. All you got to do is tap into it. Everybody can fucking fly. Just tap into it, right? And that's how you get people to be convinced is you just convince them that everybody can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, you sweet talk them a little bit. But the techniques that I've seen through there, again, are very dangerous. I've seen Hatsumi Sensei himself take a sword and run across his face and show that he wasn't cut. Um, the problem with that is, is obviously you have children who are watching this If they misunderstand what's going on. They might actually try it and kill themselves, which by the way, in Indonesia, I've seen kids do due to something completely different called Tanaga Dalam, seeing an eight year old kid slit his throat and spill out everywhere because he believed that a magic power, which was called Tanaga Dalam in Indonesia, not related to this, but very similar where they believe they couldn't get cut because of that. And it's like, I've seen people die from shit like this. And then inside those cults. They don't see the danger because they've been brainwashed not to see the danger of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another thing that they teach is to grab swords out of midair with your bare hands. I can't tell you how many times in a comment section that is I've posted one of these? them doing like, like, or like one of these or one of these. They're like, well, if you hold the blade the right way, I was like, you don't get to hold the blade the right way. And I've, I've issued this chat. It's still I still issue this shit. I want somebody, absolutely anybody who is willing to lose the fingers. To come up to me, I want you to sign every waiver and document you could possibly sign. And I'm going to swing that sword as hard as I can and try to hit you with it. And I want to see you catch it out of midair. Yeah. Right? I want you to see you catch it. Now, I'm not saying run in, grab me, myself, and hip toss or whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you cannot grab the sword out of mid-fucking air without having some type of armor on your hands. And even then, it's risky. And so to see them teach that shit is utter dangerous nonsense. You know, the, the jiu-jitsu, the grappling techniques are horse shit. The big dynamic stepping before punching that is taught is bullshit. It's just a whole slew of garbage that people pay top dollar for. Yeah. Um, but that's not the worst. That's a that's a cult. The worst to me is the the bigger named brands that have nothing to do with martial arts that add a piece of content that is martial arts related. Like Marie Claire did one. Um, Marie Claire is like the really big name, right? Is that the, they did, like they, the women's magazine, right? Yes. Yes, okay. exactly. Right. And so they were like, well, let's do a women's self-defense video. They, they, they hired a lady who was a fitness instructor. So she was very attractive, very in shape, but knew nothing about martial arts. How do I know? I had conversations hours upon hours with this lady and she was going to come out and tell people like, look, I didn't know any martial arts. I apologize. I feel bad about this. This video still haunts me today. Like, but she's terrified because it's passed so much time that she's like, well, maybe it'll just blow over which it's not because that fucking video is still online. So guess who's going to keep posting it every once in a while until you make a public apology? This guy. You know why? Because people need to know that it was fake, that she made it all up. She made literally every technique up. 
What, what now, were some of the my, what were some of the techniques? Uh, a lot uh, of nut shots, like, I bet. A lot of kicks. No, to the balls. it was like okay. It was she tried real hard to make these techniques look like they were real techniques. Like it was like defense against the wrist grab, right? Mm -hmm. And the way that she did the defense against the wrist grab, she actually wind up putting herself in a worse position by turning her back and putting her back against the person, mm -hmm. which could result in being grabbed in a different way or being choked. Now you can't see the person either. Another one was from the guard. And like, she literally just kind of pushed herself away. And then like the guy fell back and it was like that. There's no reason for him to fall. Um, there was a lot of things like that. And it's, it's not just them though. It's like uh, business insider business insider is a huge brand, right? Uh, which is uh, the under subsidiary of tech insider tech insider is a huge brand. So business insider put out a video with this lady from New York and it's like four videos of utter complete bullshit. For like 30 minutes. It's so bad. Like she was saying from the guard, our mouth, anybody out there who does jujitsu will enjoy this one. She said, while being mounted, just wiggle your hips and your hip will hit them in the groin and they'll fall off of you. It's like, have you ever been mounted for real? Like the I feel hip, like the hip will hit them in the groin. <laughs> that's it. She's like, just wiggle your hips. And she was so confident about how she said it, almost arrogant about how she said it. And I'm sitting here looking at this video. I was like, you are going to get somebody fucking hurt because yeah. what's going to happen is what you just did was you taught them subconsciously that it's okay to be in that position because I know how to get out of that position. Right. Because when you're scared, you're going to want to go to something that you know. And so if you're about to fall down and you're like, fuck, I don't know what to do. And you're like, oh, well, he's about to get on top of me. You might have that moment where you're like, I'm going to let this happen because I know how to get out of it. Right. Jiu-jitsu players do it all the time. Right. I'm more comfortable in guard, so I'll let something happen so I can get to the position I like. Um, so it's one of those things where I'm just blown away because what bothers me so much is these companies have so much reach. They mm -hmm. reach millions upon millions of people with each one of those videos. And these are people who are laymen. They have no clue about self-defense, but they just pretend they do because they think that these companies hired experts. They didn't when they could. They could have hired fucking Gina Carano, right? right? We got a, a model-looking lady who also knows how to fucking fight. They could hire any MMA fighter, female MMA fighter, and just say, this lady knows what she's doing. They can hire actual self-defense experts who were in the military, who actually had to apply these things, like special forces. But what are you going to learn when you start talking to those guys? You're probably going to learn jujitsu Because mm -hmm. what do most special forces guys learn? Fucking jujitsu. So it's it just blows my mind that these companies have the audacity to fucking put out this content that they know for damn sure isn't legit. They sit there and they film it, they edit it, they put it out in high quality, but they were too cheap to put out somebody who knows what they're doing. So they put a lot of people in detriment because some of those people are going to look at that and study it like it's the gospel when it's utter fucking nonsense. You know, with the um with some of the people that you describe like the like the cults, right? I wonder are, do the leaders believe their own bullshit or are they like, look, I got a, I got this, you know, this pack of suckers here. I'm just going to keep playing the role They're, You know, they're helping my bank account. They're help. They're helping my credit score because, <laughs> because one of the things that I, that I noticed that the obvious thing is, look, if you, um, if you believe that you have like, you know, these, uh, special powers or, or that you've unlocked the secret of being able to, you know, uh, you know, rip a guy's dick off with your hips, you know? Uh, oh yeah, that, that might be going too far, but no, nah, man, I want to learn the skill. You <laughs> let me <laughs> Kegels, man. You need the, you need to do the Kegel exercise. Oh my God. Uh, you know, you can <laughs> test yourself against people who are trained, who know, who know what they're doing. I, the amount of people that I've seen, like, um, whether they're like Aikido guys or something like that, which is like, 
can't take me down. I just won't be there. And it's like, well, well, dude, just go to a just go to the local jujitsu school when they're you know doing the drills for you know uh, for takedowns and and see how you fare. Or go to the go to that local high school and see how you do against high school wrestlers. You know, and it's it's such a weird thing where making these statements without ever uh, without ever you know doing the experiment. And I'm I'm like, are they nuts? Or I don't know. Do they believe their own hype? It's kind of like I've seen both to be honest. Um, and I've seen like weird things where, you know, I, I've been doing this shit for a long time now. So it's like odd when I stumble across new shit, but like it usually falls into two categories, right? You have the con man who knows he's a con man, like uh, James Heydrich, for instance. Uh, James Heydrich was a guy who convinced thousands of people that he had psychic powers and that he was a Kung Fu expert. And he ran a cult, like a straight up cult. And that was his martial arts studio. And he convinced them that they had psychic powers and that they were learning. And he like had a whole system to teach people how to have these powers. And they all believed it because he was able to suggest that they believe it. This was a dude who was uneducated, didn't finish high school. I don't even know if he finished middle school, like didn't have a family home. And he was able to fool people with fucking degrees, like crazy to me. But James Heydrich, rest in peace, or not James Heydrich, um, James Randy, uh, rest in peace. Um, you know, that dude is the OG of calling out bullshit. Like, I look up to that dude for a lot of shit. Like, I want, you know, that dude really was out try- to try to help people genuinely. And he called him out on his show. He was like, all right, well, you're this kung fu master expert who knows how to do shit with his mind. Do it. And he called him out. Um, and then, of course, after that, James Heydrich winds up uh, getting busted for molesting five children. Because that's for some reason is a big deal in the martial arts, like over 450 cases of pedophilia in the martial arts since like 1987. It's astronomical how many instructors take advantage of kids. But he goes on the run after getting busted. Um, And then while on the run, books himself for the Sally Jesse Raphael show, uh, like a moron. Uh, And then Sally Jesse Raphael's team is like, okay, well, we'd like to have you on. They start researching, find out this dude's like being looked for. He's being he's a wanted man. So he shows up, police show up, they bust him. And he's in a uh, mental institution only an hour away. We're, we're going to film our documentary, so we're going to interview him. But the the funny thing about that is that he did an interview not too long after getting busted while he was like in between jail and getting tried. Um, and he admitted 100% that he knew no martial arts. All martial arts that he ever learned was off of movies. He would just watch movies and recreate it. Um, he admitted that he was a con man. He admitted to fooling people. Um, and he wasn't even like what we would consider an educated man. Um, so he was one of those people that purposely was out to con people. He knew he was conning people. He did it on purpose. He practiced conning people and he got really good at it on a, on a national international level. I mean, this dude was known around the world at that time in the eighties. He was that guy who could do that, then, you know? Um, but then you have people like, uh, we'll just say it's like the Steven Seagal syndrome. You got people like George Dillman. So and for anyone who doesn't know, George Dillman is like the guy for like no touch knockouts. He's the guy that has pushed that agenda for a very long time that that's possible. Um, it's all horseshit. It's not true. You can't do it. But I think based off of his resume that he started off as a legitimate martial artist. You know, he started off like actually competing at a high level. He was around the country competing in tournaments. And then eventually, I think that people just started kissing his ass. And when they started kissing his ass, I think he started believing some of these things. And then he started being able to tell lies that he truly believed in. Um, and so I don't think that he really believes that he's a con man. 
Like I don't, in my heart, I don't think that he truly believes that. I think that he's sick. Um, the same thing with uh, Frank Dukes. I don't think that Frank Dukes believes that he's a con man. I think that he's lied to himself for so long that he has mentally changed how he thinks and how like, he sees, it's he, sad he sees the world. Is Frank Dukes the uh, the the real life character that uh, Van Damme movies were were based on? Is yeah, that- the Bloodsport movies were based around his interpretation of his life, which is which have all been debunked. There's a if you really want to go down a rabbit hole for just you got nothing to do for the day, you're just kind of <laughs> bored. You can go on and you can look at all their trials because they all sued each other. The production studio, Jacques Claude Van Damme and Frank Dukes had like this three-way lawsuit orgy where they were all just suing the shit out of each other over and over again. And most of those tapes are online and you can watch them. And to watch Frank Dukes take the stand and be asked like these basic questions and to watch him stutter and mumble and lie his way through them is the funniest shit. I mean, I get high and do that shit. And I'm like, you know what? I miss Frank Dukes lying his ass off. I'll just roll one and just be like, this is fucking great. Like, this is the Bloodsport guy, but that's because he was able to make this persona mm-hmm. that people back then couldn't prove or disprove. You know, he was just a good liar. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> fuck. Now I'm now I just I'm just picturing in my mind in my head Frank Dukes, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and their respective lawyers all just being blindfolded going through the whole fuck, you know, going through the whole thing because, because somehow in, in every fucking Van Damme movie, uh, you need to be blindfolded in order to elevate your training, you know, because or blind. I, yeah, or yeah, yeah, blind. yeah. Well, <laughs> a, a buddy of mine pointed this out. You got that one. I don't know if it's blood sport or kickbox or whatever, but there's the, you know, the big fight where Van Damme gets, uh, you know, dirt or dust thrown in his, in his eye. Blood sport. Yeah. Blood sport. Blood right. Sport. And, and this dude, if you could, you could check it out. There's definitely a gif of it out there. You know, when you get something uh, thrown in your eye, your 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 eye naturally shuts because uh, yeah. because that, so the tears can wipe that shit away. But not Van Dam. This dude goes <laughs> all the way, eyes wide open, and is like, ah! you know, it's it's so it's so ridiculous. I wonder, I wonder just just how much damage Van, Van Dam movies and those fucking splits and blindfolds have done to the to our culture of martial arts. Yeah. I got to give Van Damme credit, you know, like he's had little like things here and there um, with his uh, his personal life and shit, because like if they're in the limelight long enough, some shit's going to happen. But I mean, for the most part, like he's still kind of in a way, a wholesome character. Um, like, he, like he's not like Seagal, like what Seagal did with it. And neither one of them are like Chuck Norris. So like, I think maybe that's the division of how you're doing in your career. Chuck Norris, you, you were able to become a fucking legend. You were legit. This dude, the Machado black belt. Right. He's like a fucking full contact karate black belt. Like back in the day when you can knock people out and sport karate and shit. And then like he elevates himself to movie star. Hold on. Sorry about that. All good. Somebody uh, was trying to call me there. He elevates him to move himself to movie star. And then he gets away unscathed without absolutely any issues with the media or his personal life. Right. That's standard. You want to be fucking Chuck Norris. Right. Then yeah. you got like Van Damme, who's had little things here and there, but for the most part, he's cool. And then you got fucking Seagal, who's like raping women and like <sighs> beating up people on the set and like being this huge dick. And he's eating like fucking 18,000 sandwiches a day to keep up with his like obesity habit. Um, it's, it's fucking crazy, dude. His, his, uh, his obesity habit. I, yeah, I, I, love, uh, 
hey man, like he just loves some sandwiches, you know. Yeah. Like I mean, why not? If you could be a heroin addict, why not be a sandwich addict? Well, you know, I think I like one, well, well, I think one of one of the coolest things about uh, Chuck Norris, you know, like I said, like he was a legit, you know, champion. And uh, there's footage of him training with the Machados and, and putting on, um, uh, you know, putting on demonstrations with them. Where, I mean, they're taking his back. They're, they're you know, they're they're you know, they're making him tap. And there's a a, a, a humility there of no, the, these guys are grapplers. That's their art. They know what they're, they're they know what they're doing. If I were to step you know step to them in in that capacity. I'm going to sleep, you know, whereas, yeah. whereas with, with Seagal, I mean, I remember Seagal, he was asked a question, I guess a few years ago where like, you know, uh, you know, basically, you know, how, how are you doing now? Like your skill level? He's like, I'm faster than I've ever been or some bullshit like that. <laughs> and it's like, come on, man. And no, but no, no real martial artist, you know, talks how, like how are you doing now? Seagal? I've killed 13 men since I walked in here. Yeah. They're all in the bathroom. I flushed them down the toilet. I was able to chop up their bodies there. They're no longer with us. With, <laughs> um, you, you brought up uh, James Randi. And, you know, the, this whole time we've been, we've been talking, I, I've been thinking about, you know, um, how there's so much similarities between what you do and the skeptics movement. Um, uh, I used to be, uh, I think I used to be more into the skeptics movement uh, some years back. Um, but, yeah, the whole idea of just debunking woo and bullshit, uh, it seems like it's so important to do wherever it's happening, you know? And, and, uh, and dude, you just said wherever it's happening just sparked my mind immediately to China. Um, there, I do, I truly believe this dude in China is going to have a movie made after him. And if he does not, when I'm older, like if I go another 10 years and there's not a movie made about this dude after he dies, I'm fucking making this movie. Like, I don't care. Like his, his name is Xu Xiaodong. And so Xu Xiaodong, um, if you ever want to look him up, his uh, first name is spelled XU. If you just type in XU China, he will pop up. Mm -hmm. So Xu Xiaodong was famous because he knocked out this no touch master years ago. Like it was like fucking forever. It was, it was right when I started my page. It was like a decade ago. So like they were talking shit online. The, the master was like, well, I accept your challenge. And then Xu Xiaodong was like, okay. Showed up, the, he grabs him by the the the, uh, the sleeve because the dude wore a gi and punches him in the face. Bow! And the dude was shocked. Yeah. Like he turns the face away and he's like, can't believe he really got hit. He's like, oh my God. Like that's what happens when your students lie to you. That's exactly what that face was. It's like, oh, my students have been going around, around my shit. And he just realized the shit doesn't work. And he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's keep going. So the master goes back at him. Shoe shot dog knocks him out cold. Boom. Right. Game over. That video winds up going viral a little bit later because of the great firewall of China. Thanks, you sons of bitches. Uh, but in any case, you know, he winds up like going viral and then like it becomes a thing, not just a little thing, but like the government itself has changed policies because of Xu Xiaodong. This dude's literally changing things in the Chinese government because he was wrecking their economy. So like, one of the one of their exports, I guess you could say, and one of the things about their culture that winds up making them so much money is the kung fu movement, the martial arts, the mysticism of it all. Well, when he starts stops, he starts debunking like, "Yo, that's bullshit. That doesn't really work." That all of a sudden, people stop buying the kung fu movies. People stop going to kung fu classes. People stop wanting to learn the culture. People don't want to learn, you know, some of that shit. So he himself starts doing this and. Self-admittedly, which is hilarious to me, he didn't want to make it a movement. He wants nothing to do with the movement. 
he just likes beating up these people. That's all he said. Like, he's kind of a gruff dude, to be honest. Like, right. he's not, like, really personable and stuff like that. But he doesn't give two shits about that. He literally just wants to beat these people up. He doesn't want to start a movement. He doesn't want to change anything. So he starts doing this. He starts calling out these people online, meeting them, and he's beating them in like 10, 15 seconds. He's done it so many times, right? And then the Chinese government starts getting wind of this. And they're like, oh, no, we can't let that happen. So in China, you have a social credit standing, right? Which is like very black mirror. Um, it's like a credit score, but how you're perceived on social media. Mm -hmm. And so his social credit score dropped to like a D or an F or something like that, right? And so he's not allowed to ride like high-speed trains. It affects his ability to buy a home. It affects his ability to leave the country. Like they can even tell him like in certain matches, they made him wear clown makeup. Like the government said, you can't do this match unless you wear clown makeup. And there's a video of him out there in clown makeup, knocking out a Kung Fu master. He's like in this blue and white makeup. All the shit's online to see. And like, they're trying to destroy this man. Now in China, you can no longer call yourself a master because of him. You can no longer call yourself a master unless you directly go through the Chinese government to get permission to be called a master. Holy shit. I remember seeing, um, for one, I remember seeing that video and seeing that video over and over and over again of him um, kicking that, that old man's ass. Um, and then I think, I think Vice did a, uh, a short little, uh, little documentary about him where, I mean, he was basically just relegated to his gym um, and like he really couldn't uh, be moving around. But yeah, that, that's so wild. What were, yeah, you wonder, you know, you, you brought up how it was like wrecking the economy, just how much commerce is dependent upon people believing utter bullshit. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah I mean, that's, that's the same in a lot of things, right? But I mean, it just kind of goes to show like how deep ingrained that this is and how kind of important it is. Like, I, I know we talked before, there was like a, the, a issue with like the, the, the record thing earlier, but we had, to, I think we talked about it for that one second about like, how do people still believe this? Like right, we're in the yeah. age of the internet, um, you know, MMA is relevant. There's so many more real true subject matter experts now in combat than there ever have really been. But how do people still fall for this? Well, it's that easy, man. Like in China, like they're literally like trying to destroy this man's life because he's calling that shit out. Mm -hmm. Right. And then look at, uh, Indonesia. Indonesia is probably one of the best examples of complete utter horseshit becoming famous. Like there's a there's a woman on YouTube. Her name is uh, Sentia, um, and I can't pronounce her last name, uh, but she goes by CC or whatever. But she's just a huge liar. Like lies about everything. Speeds up her videos. Says that she could break through concrete with kicks, which is all bullshit edited video. But in Indonesia, they're convinced because of something called Tanaga Dalam, which is a spiritual power and ability that they believe everybody has the ability to have. And I'm not saying everybody in Indonesia believes this because there are definitely people who think that's hokey bullshit, but she's making a killing, a killing online because she's convinced people that she's really that fast. She's really that good. She's really that skillful. And she even convinced people that she's a doctor when there's no proof that she's at, like, she, you're like, you're like, bitch, you were like 15 calling yourself a doctor. Like, are there doctors 15 years old? I can't, I, can't, I, can't, I, I can't wait for uh, footage of her performing surgery and they just speed the shit up. Like, boom, boom, like open heart surgery and just speed uh -huh. it up. Um, it's like her camera angle down, her hands go in, she gives a smile, and then all of a sudden it's just her hands on camera, and then they switch out for like <laughs> some white dude's hand. And right. then you see the surgery, and then her hands come back. You're like, 
it was real. I promise. Like, no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think I, I'm wondering, you know, what the, the psychology behind it. And, um, I often, I think, I think an example that I, I, maybe a lot of Westerners, uh, a lot of Americans might you know, be able to, um, to talk about is sort of the legend of Bruce Lee, uh, where mm-hmm. sort of, you know, Bruce Lee is, you know, a, a legend of the silver screen, uh, because of him, he, you know, uh, he, he helped spread martial arts into the United States and, and all over the world. But when I hear people talk about him, they're talking about him as if he's this unbeatable superhero that if he were alive today, you know, he'd be destroying, you know, John Jones, you know, it's, uh, I don't. I don't know. It. It. it what, what are your thoughts on 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 Bruce Lee, the Mystique, the Legend? I mean, I think that it's awesome that you have these these bigger than life characters that only come around like maybe once in a lifetime. You know, like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff has always blown me away. Like how young he was to make such an impact, like he did, is just. I I just don't understand it. Like right. there's just some people who have that ability, that level of charisma, like Muhammad Ali did, to where you will never forget them. Like they are immortalized in personality, they're immortalized in their whatever it is that their jobs were, whatever it was that they were trying to make an impact on. They can do that, and nobody like where what billions of people on the planet mm-hmm. like no one can do that shit. But these people could, um, especially in an age where you not not like now, where if you want to be famous, you can just go online and tr- start trying. It was an age where you had to be given a chance, you had to be given an opportunity by people above you. They had to want to push you and you had to work, like really work much harder than we have to, to be known. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at Bruce Lee, I look at all the things that he did well. He was a philosopher. He convinced so many people to love the martial arts. He had a great mentality of, you know, all these great quotes, which were so good that I still think of today, you know, uh, take what's useful and throw away what's not and stuff like that. But he wasn't a prize fighter. Mm-hmm. He was not a prize fighter. And like, he, he would not have, if Bruce Lee became like all of a sudden was revived and Bruce Lee existed in today's age and you implant him into the today's culture, he would still, he'd be a YouTube star. Let's just be honest. That's probably mm-hmm. what would wind up happening. He would have, he would have never, he would still be pursuing movies. He would do that. He would, he would be that personality, but he would be a great stuntman. Like, I'm not saying that he couldn't fight because in all honesty, I don't know. I never met Bruce Lee. I've only seen limited footage of him actually moving around. I love the JKB concepts and the ideas, right? But, and people say that he could, he could whoop wholesale ass, right? And he must have been able to in some capacity just because of the amount of people that he was able to interact with, but he wasn't a prize fighter. Mm-hmm. And I'm not putting that against him. I'm just saying, why would that scenario ever come up ever of him being an MMA? It didn't, he wasn't in boxing. He wasn't in kickboxing. He wasn't in sport martial arts when it was at the heyday, like whenever it was sponsored by Budweiser back then. He wasn't a fighter like that. That just wasn't what he did. So I can give the man all the respect in the world, but what I can't do is say something that he wasn't. And he wasn't a prize fighter. That's just facts. That's not Mm -hmm. there to hurt anyone's feelings. You know, Um, could he have done it? I don't know. It's just not what he wanted to do. So why would he be implanted now and all of a sudden change his entire mind around about wanting to be this actor and this powerful man? Why would he become a prize fighter? He wouldn't. It would never happen. Yeah. I, I feel like that there's a, a tendency uh, as our, of, of our culture to want 
sort of superheroes, real life superheroes. And um, I, I I saw a similar thing with um, um, Conor McGregor, who I'm a huge fan of. I absolutely love Conor McGregor. The guy's had an unreal career. Um, he he called the fight against um, uh, against Jose Aldo. Aldo. He called you yeah. know he stood in the middle of the octagon at the Madison Square Garden and put his hands behind his back fighting Eddie Alvarez and put Eddie Alvarez away. Unfucking believable. He fought Floyd Mayweather without ever having a professional boxing match. Unbelievable. He talks the most amazing shit, right? And um I love that he backed he backed it up, right? But I never allowed uh my my fandom of him to get in the way of reality. And the reality was, as great as he is, as much as you might want him to be a superhero, there's Khabib, Nurmagomedov, you know? So it's sort of like, you know, in your mind, you could have this dream of who this person is, but fuck, there, there is reality in Khabib that is gonna be coming your way. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I, I prefer that than, you know, sort of, uh, I don't know, just building up, you know, these, you know, indestructible figures in my mind. I don't know. I think that they're necessary. Like, it's it's interesting the things that affect us that we like to pretend aren't real. Like, uh, and I, I, I know it's satirical and it's uh, maybe off the beaten path as an example, but South Park did an episode all about this, about how fictional characters are realer than we like to make them be. Because they make an impact on us. They they change our decision-making skills. They they make us, they push us in a direction to want and to feel certain ways. I mean, that's real in a way. And it might not be tangible, right? Like, for instance, like Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles, right? Like, had mm-hmm. a direct effect on me, right? I love nunchucks. I love, like, the Pizza. whole, like, <laughs> the, the being goofy and, like, just enjoying martial arts in a fun way. Like, that's always been me. And I can't say that that wasn't a direct reflection of me watching the fucking Ninja Turtles when I was younger, you know? Like, I don't think that those things are invalid. And I think that we, as people, want to pretend that they aren't valid. Like, we want to go, oh, Santa Claus isn't real. Okay, well, Santa Claus might not be tangible, you know? But at the same time, what he's been created, you know, like the whole original story of, you know, um, St. Nicholas and all that shit, right? And then it becomes Santa Claus, and then it becomes something else. And then over time, that game of telephone makes it change into like this bigger than life character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's bullshit. But how it affects you isn't. How it makes you feel isn't. How it makes you live your life. I mean, fuck, hypothetically, and I'm not here to stir any feathers or anything, but hypothetically, Jesus Christ might not have ever actually existed. Maybe, hypothetically, right? But let's say we can prove without a doubt that he never did. Would that mean that he was less impactful? No. Because it doesn't matter if he was or not, because at the end of the day, if you believe it and it affects you, then it's real. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I think that's a really, that, that's an interesting way of, of looking at it. And I'm thinking back where of uh, uh, my favorite, you know, mixed martial arts fighters and my responses to them winning or fighting, right? And yeah. um, one of my favorites uh, all time is uh, Dan Henderson. Uh, he's one of my favorite fighters of all time. And yeah. holy shit, I remember this is, I'm, I'm in my, I'm in the same apartment where I ordered his fight against Fedor Emelianenko. And yeah. on that TV, that's a, that's, oh yeah, it's right there. It's at the bottom of the screen. I watched, <laughs> I watched Dan Henderson knock out 
Fedor, who was one of my favorite heavyweights. And I went fucking nuts, screaming, like uncontrollably. Uh, I was so I was so friggin' happy for it. And I guess I saw something there. I connected something there. Maybe it was a, uh, uh, you know, seeing somebody who was fighting above his weight class, uh, taking on a a person that was you know at that point in time un unbeatable. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe I put something, I, I, I saw something there and I took it and, and it was there or something I, I couldn't explain. And I'm, I'm like getting chills right now thinking about it. That was how many years ago. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 I it's interesting that how you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. You just mentioned Dan Henderson. Like I actually, uh, so this last year, you know, you were, we talked about the gun stuff earlier, but you know, I've, I've been getting more into that and trying to fill that hole in my game be better at com uh, or like a tactical shooting, be better, be better in general with firearms. Cause I grew up with them as a kid, but that's not an excuse to not better yourself and to learn more. And so that's what I've been trying to do this last couple of years. And uh, I've been really enjoying learning how to shoot. I've been really having fun doing it now. Of course, it's probably one of the most expensive hobbies on the planet, uh, <laughs> but um, nothing like shooting a dollar a bullet. But when it comes down to like uh, the opportunities that opened up, I actually was able to go to a place called shop show. And SHOT Show is the industry's biggest expo for firearms, right? We're talking multi-million dollar deals are signed here because of all these different companies that show up to this expo. It's just for people in the industry. And I got really lucky that apparently the industry likes influencers because, you know, like they just like people who are willing to do that. Like a lot of people don't want to deal with the bullshit of social media backlash because of how hard it is in the 2A community on social media. So they just don't try. They're like, fuck it. I'll just do it for fun, right? Um, so I went and I had a great time and it happens in Vegas. So I'm walking one day. I was like, you know what? My hotel's here. I'm going to go meet some friends over here. But I was like, oh, fuck, I'm early. Let me just stop at this bar, random bar, right? I walk into the bar and guess who's on the goddamn mic with two other people. It's Dan Henderson and he's drunk as shit and he's singing Margaritaville. And I was like, I sit at the bar and I'm like, that's fucking Dan Henderson. Like there's nobody <laughs> else in this bar either. It's like me, these three dudes, the DJ and like the bartender, right? And I was like, all right. And then I, I get my drink and I introduce myself. Dude was so fucking awesome. He bought me a drink. We shot the shit. Um, he definitely has CTE, but wow. it was just a yeah. great experience. Um, and I was just one of those unique things that I'll never forget. Like just randomly walking into a bar in Vegas and Dan Henderson singing Margaritaville. Oh, that's awesome. I, I have a, a, a friend of mine. Uh, her name is uh, Dr. Uh, Deborah So. And uh, she's a, a scientist and a, and a journalist. And, um, she's friends with, uh, with Josh Barnett. And I did a, I did a show with her in Los Angeles last year. And after the show, who sneaks up behind me, but Josh Barnett. And I'm a huge fan of fucking Legend. Josh Barnett. And Legend. dude, I was such a dork. Like I was like stumbling over my words and stuff like that. And it's one of those things, it was involuntary. Like I normally I'm a, trust me, man. I mean, we've never met before, Rob, but I'm a pretty cool guy. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I, here I am like, you like seem awesome to me. <laughs> he's making he's making me feel like I'm a kid. Um, when I was in, when I was in LA, uh, I, I lived there for, for a little bit. I, uh, I went to a buddy's, uh, uh, comedy show at the UCB theater and, uh, the place is packed, you know, it's probably, probably seats like 80 people and I'm sitting down and I look over to the right and I do a double take and I'm like, no way. Don Fry was at the show oh, and yeah. no, nobody knew who the fuck he was. Right. And then afterward, uh, afterward, uh, there's a, a bar, uh, next door called, uh, called birds. 
And I go over there and who walks in but Don Fry. And I go and I introduce myself and I say, uh, hey, Mr. Fry, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. You're a hell of a fighter. He's like, oh, thank you, man. He shook my hand and he was being nice. It felt like rock. It felt, it, it, uh-huh. I, I, it, it felt like uh, I was like, I was like, what, what, these aren't hands that I have, you know, I'm, 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 <laughs> uh, but it, it's cool. It, it's, it's funny because I'm sort of being transported to have that like, like young kid feeling about like heroes. Um, these are, I guess in a way, these are my superheroes. Uh, in a, if I'm, yeah, you know, man. And but that's beautiful. And it's it, like, I think that that's something that's just a spice of life. And I, I don't know about everybody else, but I know everybody that I know at least has one or two of those people who they can say, they never met, never talked to a day in their life that had a direct, immediate impact on their life. And I mean, come on, what do superheroes do but save lives and right. change lives and make things better for us? So why not? There were superheroes just like, I guess, uh, Superman or Wonder Woman. Why not? Why can't Michelangelo, they do that too? Right there. Yeah. Michelangelo, that's right. Yeah. Nunchucks for life. <laughs> and uh you know and, and i'm i'm sure you know for a lot of people the work that you do i mean you are changing you are changing lives you are shining a light on to um you know a lot of wrongs that are being committed you know in the world uh can you talk to us a little bit about and by us i mean can you talk to me and <laughs> the people listening <laughs> about uh about your upcoming uh documentary yeah it's uh we we've actually been working on it for three years now and it would have been two, but thanks, COVID. We appreciate you and all you do for us. Um, yeah, we originally were going to be filming in, uh, was it February? Um, and so January rolled around. We were good to go. We had raised $20,000 to get started, which is not even close to the budget we were looking for. Sure. <laughs> like we, we might even do another set of crowdfunding when I start traveling, just so that way we can see if we can raise more. Because, you know, we want a little leeway, you know, like basically with the budget we have, it's like a ramen noodle dinner with a uh, with a sip of water and then right back to work the next day for another 13 hour shoot because we can't afford to stop. Um, you know, but when it comes down to like the documentary itself, it got pushed back. We are no, now our new film date after the COVID stuff is in February. So we're going to get started filming in February. So I go on a road trip across the country. I'll be starting in Jacksonville, Florida going across the country, hitting every state along the way, making a ton of great content with great martial artists and filming, and then up to Fresno, and then February we start. So if you're along the way on the bottom half of the country, I'll be driving through there. <laughs> so hit me up. We'll hang buy out. The we'll a a drink. Buy the man a yeah. drink. Um, Shit, I'll and- buy you a drink, man. I'll buy whoever a drink. We'll have a good time. Uh, we'll smoke some weed if you smoke. Uh, but then when it comes down to like the actual documentary itself, the idea is not to attack specific martial arts that doesn't really affect the overall problem because what you could do is you could just call it a different name and open up under a different organization and next thing you know that what we talked about was irrelevant you just shut down open up something else right but what we want to do is talk about behaviors and psychology and we want to follow through every angle that we can to understand frauds in the martial arts and the pitfalls so that way Maybe somebody who hasn't joined martial arts yet or is thinking about getting their children into martial arts will see this documentary and it will help guide their decision to make what's best choice for them. Because don't get me wrong, if you want to belong to a cult and you want to go do no-touch knockout stuff, but you were made fully aware that's what you're a part of, I don't give two shits. But that's not how that usually works. Usually you're lied to, you're conned, you're scammed. 
So we're going to talk about that. We got some really great stuff. There's this guy who named Lewis Martin, and he wrote a book called The True Believers. And this is a book about his experience in a martial arts cult. And it's fascinating. Talks about how he didn't want to do this particular martial art at all. Like he was looking for Brazilian jiu-jitsu because he watched UFCs, right? And then so like he went and he was like so stoked and he went into one trial class because it was closest. He got sold. Next thing you know, a couple of years later, he actually is one of the head instructors at that studio. And then as time went on, he started to realize like a friend of his um, was with him when he started, left for like a couple of years and came back to visit. was like, hey, man, I'm in town. Let's go hang out. At that time, that guy had started to take jiu-jitsu. And so hit this guy, Lewis Martin, up and was like, yo, we should train a little bit. And so he was like, cool, for sure. He winds up getting yoked up. Now, at this time, this Lewis Martin guy is a black belt in this system and is super comfortable and feels like he can do anything. This other guy is a two-stripe white belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and handles him, mm. handles him. And he said at first, he was like, oh, well, maybe I messed up or I wasn't prepared. Nope. He said every time they went, he got handled. And he said a few years later, it was even bigger of a gap and some of the culty things. So we we'll talked to him. We're going to talk to um, James Heydrich, who is now currently in a mental institution. So we're going to pick his brain about how he did this to people. So we'll be able to get a perspective of the victim. We'll get a perspective of the guys who do this and what their mentalities are. Um, we're going to con people ourselves as an experiment. So we're going to show just how easy it is to manipulate people. Um, you're gonna, have to, be very you're gonna need money for wigs and stuff like that, guys. <laughs> we we got to get Rob some money to, to for disguises. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, like, and what's crazy is so many of these people actually believe their own height that they don't mind being filmed. Like, you would imagine that oh, they would never agree to be filmed. Like, well, where do you think I get my footage from? They're putting it willingly out onto the internet. They don't right. think that it's fake. Uh, the Martial Arts History Museum is in Burbank, California, so we're gonna go to them talk about some of the old school mentality things like. Where does I need to register my hands as deadly weapons come? Why do people still believe that, right? Mm. We'll talk about the history of that. Um, we'll talk about a lot of stuff. And then, of course, we will be going into some fraudulent schools and then just discussing with them like, hey, there's one school in particular that says they can cure blindness, like straight up believes that they can cure blindness through learning this martial art, which, by the way, is an Indonesian martial art. Um, and so it's it'll be very interesting to see how it goes. I mean, there are videos of these people blindfolded riding race cars like with no problem they're oh, blindfolded shit. like calling out colors um it's it's kind of funny because it's a magic trick and i lived with a magician for a really long time so i already know how the the trick works but it's funny to see them sell it as something it's not and so i'm really looking forward to going and of course bringing actual blind people there and going he's blind ready to go like <laughs> teach him the thing you know oh my god man that sounds amazing um, well, Rob, uh, thank you so much for, uh, for giving me your time. Uh, for those of you who are listening now, I was record, we were talking for around maybe like 10 minutes or so. And then I realized I wasn't recording this thing. So there's a whole, <laughs> there, there's a little, there, there's such great, uh, great mysteries that have been revealed that, that you will never hear. Um, yeah, at I least on this podcast. Technique. But maybe <laughs> all the secret techniques for maybe down the down the road. Uh, Rob, uh, why don't you uh, tell us the uh, the way people can check out your stuff? Yeah, man, I'm pretty much on most every social media except for Facebook. So if you know how to get us back on Facebook, we had about 100k before we were removed. Um, so we mm -hmm. want to get back on there because, in all honesty, it kind of hurt the pocketbook a little bit when that happened. So we want to get back. But you can check us out on Nick Dojo Life on uh, pretty much every social media platform there is. Uh, also, check us out on Reddit. Uh, we're the McDojo Life on there because some douche 
started a McDojo Life page, doesn't touch it, won't respond to me. And then like, so fuck it. We're the McDojo Life there. And if you want to keep up with the documentary, we're making original content you can only see if you actually donate to the film. So it's a McDojo Life DOC on Instagram. So McDojo Life DOC, you can go on there. And then if you try to request and you didn't follow the directions on the, the description, I will just delete your request because it's very specific, tells you exactly what you need to do. So just make sure you follow that. You know, you can donate absolutely anything and that will help us out tremendously. It is very expensive to make a film. I know it seems like it shouldn't be in today's age, but it is. Um, you know, it's not one of those films that we could just upload on YouTube either because YouTube is very strict about their content. And if we want to make the film we want to make, it can't go on there. Um, and we don't want to make a shitty movie. So I have an actual production team. I have a director. I have a producer. I have a sound guy. I have a lighting guy. This is an actual movie we're making. Just the hard part is the funding. So if you really love what we do, you want to support, please go to McDojo Life DOC. And if you're ever uh, starting a cult, Rob, I'll join it. Uh, it sounds like you seem like a fun dude. Soon. Soon. <laughs> if this documentary fails, I'm going to be on the other end. I'll be like, all right, motherfuckers, you didn't want to listen to the other end. So shit, I'm going to take advantage of what I know. We're going to start the cult. Oh, Rob, you don't even know. <laughs> 